What's up? This is Daily Shemay number 232. Um, so I, I don't know, man, I've just been living life, but I wanted to talk today about um, the phenomena, non, the, the thing that humans do when we complicate things. Um, or just, I guess we should start with the survivorship bias. So um, if you don't know what that means or if you um, really want to be shooketh, uh, you can look that up and you can look, there's a pretty standard image that comes up whenever you look up the survivorship bias and it's a diagram of a plane. Um, this is, the diagram is from like, I don't know, World War Two or something or one of the wor- world wars where um, people were looking at, I think, I think, I think the Americans, but maybe not, I don't remember, um, people look at, were looking at planes that made it back, and they were looking at where the bullets were coming to, like, how, how we can strengthen the planes and stuff, and so the diagram shows all these, like, places where the planes came back and had bullet bullet holes, and let me see if I can get the, um, Let's see, let's see, let's see, hold on, let me see if I can find my, like, key thing. It was in a book by, um, his name is Jordan Ellenberg. He did a book about, I think it's called How Not to Be Wrong, or maybe it's about math, I don't know. Um, but, uh, Daniel Siegel also talks about this as well, and I think the actual concept was, uh, some accredited to Wald. Anyways, point being, these planes came back, right? And people, like, they looked at the... Abraham Wald, by the way. The people looked at these planes and they kind of made diagrams about where the bullet holes were. And um, the instinct or the common concept, the, the, the reaction to all these bullet holes is like, oh, we need to put more armor on these places where all the bullet holes are coming. Um, because what we see when we see bullet holes or when we see the effect of something, we're like, oh, protect against that thing. When what basically, what Wald kind of pointed out and what this fallacy is really about, what this bias is really about is the fact that those bullet holes aren't that dangerous if they didn't kill the guys. Like if the plane made it back with those bullet holes, then those bullet holes are survivable. Um, if no plane made it back with a, a bullet hole, um, you know, at a certain part of the left wing, then instead of assuming somehow this one part just never like, you know, there, people aren't aiming at it or it's a really strong part, like then, then you can make the, the perspective shift to see that that means if a bullet hits here, the plane goes down, (laughs) um, And I'm not explaining this very well, but it's really just like a segue into what I think um, I've been seeing and doing lately, which is that thing where the solution is maybe simple but scary, um, or the solution is counterintuitive. So, you know, the ego wants to complicate things and... um, you know, we find all these ways to look at all these data points and it's not that all these data points don't matter. It's not that all your feelings don't matter. It's not that 
your thoughts and your worries and your fears and your plans don't matter. It's just that when you're making a decision about the behavior you need to take or, or when you're making a decision about a, a problem you need to address or like something in your life that's recurring, um, when you look at all these data points, like sometimes you're counting bullet holes that aren't lethal and you're thinking about all the ways to avoid that non-lethal bullet hole. And um, I think that's like a priorities problem. I think that's like a surrender problem. And I think that's like what happens when we want the solution to make sense to us and to make us feel um, smart and safe and strong and protectable. Um, and we want to feel sure, even though we're not sure. And um, that's why I think people people choose to complicate things, especially if it means they can stay in deliberation instead of moving forward. Because um, sometimes deliberation is a feels more powerful than surrender. And that's definitely what I've been doing in a couple areas of my life. Um, that's definitely what keeps a lot of people from being doers. And I think that it comes down to... If we take like the, the plane example and the bullet hole example, it's like these people have been hired by like countries to figure out how to protect these soldiers and they want to present a solution that makes sense, that empowers people, that makes everyone feel good, that, that, that fits their logic of like protection and the very masculine way we tend to approach war and conflict um, as societies. And so it's like the brain, the ego, who you think you are in the moment as like a scientist of things or a probability specialist or like, you know, as someone who's been tasked to protect people, you want to have a badass, sexy ass solution or you want to have a solution that is easy to digest or a solution that is um, complementary to the logic of the people, especially the people hiring you or the people you're involved with. So, but what tends to happen with like great people or people that overcome common setbacks or people that are like extraordinary is that their priority is really on the solution. Like Michael Jordan really wanted to win. <laughs> like he really wanted to win. Like he wanted to win. There was a couple ways in which like his winning could coincide with other goals and, and, and whatnot, but when it comes down to it, he did what he wanted to do. His priority was very clear. Um, and that makes him not palatable in a lot of ways. And that makes him um, do things that are upsetting and, and can seem counterintuitive in a lot of ways. And it can make him um, probably lonely. Uh, probably is lonely to not have support for some of your ideas or to feel like you have to bully people into helping you into your dream or this, that, and the other. But he wanted to win more than he didn't want to feel lonely. He wanted the solution the most. And um, I guess like what this whole thing is kind of leading me to or the question that these concepts bring up for me is like, what is your real priority? You know, when you're addressing a problem, when if your priority as the specialist that's trying to like research how to make more soldiers survive the war, if your priority is to like look and feel good about your answer, um, if your priority is to have less people disagree with you, um, you might kill people on accident. Um, and that's like an extreme example, but if people can make that, that error in an extreme example like that with lives on the lines and like, 
it should be very obvious that that's a natural thing for humans to do on other occasions. We can see it in parenting a lot of times where um, parents want the problem or the solution or the logic of behavior to be a concept they're familiar with, a concept that they've mastered, and therefore um, they should be able to advise the child or guide the child. And um, that's not a collaborative solution. Sometimes you want to, to fix something, um, not, to, not to cure it, but so that it stops giving you problems. And that's, I think, what like, the medical community and like pharmaceutical companies and honestly the government, like the United States, has a tendency to um, put Band-Aids on things, has a tendency to not heal but suppress. And I think that that's like, it takes really brave people um, and really conscious people with clear commitments and priorities to not do that. Um, and people who want to know when they're making this error, um, people who are open to changing their mind and like things like that, because the ego is a really powerful, you know, um, voice in most of our heads. And um, it's not that it shouldn't be listened to. It's just that the ego is, is really where most of our biases come in. It's like a the brain's natural tendency to want to simplify something into something that makes it feel good and like everything makes sense when rarely is that true. Um, one of the only ways to get more comfortable is to like choose to practice being uncomfortable and that way it com- uncomfortable becomes at least familiar, at least common. Probably never fully comfortable, but, um, you know, leaning in, leaning into the best way to learn is usually in some sort of like trial by fire or like you know you figure it out type of shit so to me it's like I just realized that um we distract ourselves from the solution sometimes because once we solve that problem like there's something else is next isn't it you know there's another problem there's another um the next equation the next word problem is coming up and like what if we don't know how to solve that one or what if the way we solve this one makes that one even worse? And that's, again, engaging with the question as an ego who's trying to protect itself at all times instead of engaging with the question as someone who wants to be a part of a solution. Um, and the thing about the ego, the thing about celebrity, and the thing about trying to perfect how you're perceived or like be come off like clean and squeaky and like you know the 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 issue with trying to enact control over something you've no control over is that like it distracts you from what you're really here to do what you're really good at um it creates these people that we like learn way too much about and find out that they're like maybe really shitty people and then that really great quote that they made that saved a bunch of people's lives like it doesn't hit the same because we wanted to make them into a celebrity instead of a vessel for a quote that came out and like changed a bunch of people's lives. Um, so, I don't know. It's just something I'm thinking about. It's a concept that really, um, it comforts me a little bit because sometimes I think my intuition or a part of me that is very detached from my ego will voice an opinion that I don't know how to share 
um, or I don't know how to act on necessarily, or I'm very resistant to, and it's not like these biases, like once you learn about them, you don't make them, like that's not how it works. Um, in fact, I think like something that's pretty well documented is that really smart people tend to not believe that they're falling into a bias, even if they're aware of the bias. So it's just like, the ego is very, it does its job well. And there's plenty of times when like, the stakes aren't that high, you aren't the engineer or the statistician or the actuary or the person that's trying to like save lives on a battlefield, like sometimes you're just you. And maybe the only thing at risk is like, the next level of happiness for you. And I say the only thing at risk, because it's like a bunch of people are probably going to want you to be content and not like exuberantly happy. <laughs> um, that's the other thing about priorities is like, is if, if you really want to feel euphoria, if you really want joy at like an un, unreal level, you have to want that bad enough that like the looks you get and the doubt and the other people trying to thwart that thing or the consequences don't deter you. Um, or the thought of not having it forever. Like you can't let that. Um, those fears are valid, but they also don't belong to you. They belong to like your ego and who your ego thinks it is. And um, if the ego could, it would have stayed two years old. You know what I mean? And aren't we glad? The ego is also probably the same you know, um, combative little motherfucker that, like, when we were a kid and somebody's like, you're sleepy, was like, no, I'm not, you know what I mean, um, it's a, it's a valuable tool, but it is, um, it's a tool, it's not the truth, and it's information, the same way that these bullet holes on this plane diagram are information, and you can keep looking at it one way, um, if what you want is to understand in a comfortable way and not if your priority is the truth. And I just think like right now I need to really um, recognize and understand that like the truth is my priority even when it's not my ego's priority, even when it's embarrassing, even when it's um, it means more work for me or it means that I fucked up or it means that... Um, I don't know what's going on. That's the other thing about this um, bias and how we complicate things is that like, instead of saying, I don't know how to move forward or I don't know what's going to happen next. It's like, oh, well, here's everything I know. And I, I know this about this and I know this and I know this and I know this. And, I, and it's like, probably not. Or sometimes we know stuff that isn't relevant to the information. So it's like, if you fixate on just what you know, um, that's what this bias I think really points to is like this fixation on the known and it's like oh we know these bullet holes were here and it's like you have to be able to invert the picture you have to well you don't have to do anything but for me when you really want a solution when you really want the problem to be solved um, when you really want to cure something when you really want the next level of problems because you know that it comes with the next level of joys that's when you have to invert the picture. You have to be able to look at the bullet holes and see what not bullet holes would mean, if that makes any sense. Um, so I'm just grateful for embarrassing myself 
<laughs> I'm grateful for the fact that like this bias is very familiar to me. <laughs> um, I'm grateful for like the people in my life that kind of, um, I don't know, they're just great right now. They just like genuinely want to see me happy um, in a way that is, it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? It's much easier to say like, oh, there must be some weird motives going on because that's what, that's looking at all the bullet holes. That's looking at all the other people um, that had weird motives and being like, well, this must be that, even though it doesn't feel like that, even though the cure to the discomfort is to enjoy what you have um, for what it is and not try to demonize it, which I tend to do as a complication to protect myself um, because that's what was done to me. Um, things about me that are... are are were tend to be very pure and um creative at times were disruptive or maybe like inconvenient or overwhelming for other people and I think like at a like at certain times it's just been like how do we get her to just stop doing that um <laughs> and I think that the solution is like the same way you would try to do it if it was a bad behavior that was damaging that it was that was really threatening you know punishment or um you know, not rewarding certain behavior, and I just have to understand that that's a that's a part of this bias too. That's a part of what um, what we do to make our egos safe. Um, it can hurt other people, and that's another reason again to like be aware. <laughs> um, I think that the a lot of times like truth does hurt, but I think that. It's the same way of being like, okay, like, like touching a stove is hot and like that's fucked up. It's like that's not really fucked up. That's exactly that makes sense. Like pain in the body is not something just to like silence. It's like it's telling you something. Um, so I think like hiding from pain, hiding from discomfort, hiding from not knowing, hiding within complications um, is something I'm trying to get away from. Is something I'm trying to. Uh, be aware of only because it just really sets you back like not actually moving from truth sets you back like whatever progress you make on a treadmill <laughs> you know what I mean it's like okay <laughs> um if that made you feel better you know what I mean if that if that's what you wanted if you just wanted the feeling of solving a problem and you didn't want to solve it then that's sure if you wanted the feeling of being a victim if you wanted the feeling of not having options, then you can make your reality feel that way. Um, your ego will help you create the feelings you want, uh, especially unchecked. It will help you create feelings that you know how to react to instead of um, bringing in that, that childlike curiosity and being like, okay, well, what would this feeling feel like if I didn't resist it and trusted myself to do the right thing with it so that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I've got stuff to do today, and it is already 11.21, so I am capping. Um, but I'm, I'm glad I got to pod a little bit on this because it's very relevant right now. And I think um, maybe hopefully someone else needs to hear this. Um, maybe not hopefully. I don't know, girl. I don't know. Um, but...
yeah, we just got to do what we got to do, you know? We just got to know our priorities. Um, and not just, like, what the ego is comfortable prioritizing. Because my ego is very uncomfortable prioritizing ease and happiness and guilt-free play. Um, and I just, like, but I think I need that right now. Like, my my gut and in my bones and my intuition is, like, well, it's not, I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't make it harder to do what you need. Don't make it a bad thing. Um, don't try to stop yourself um, through complications. If what you're really saying is that you are too scared to face the outcome of the truth, then, then overcomplicating things is not going to help. Tackling that, like unpacking your shit. <laughs> unpacking why you aren't ready for the for the payout is more important um and maybe you don't even need to unpack maybe you just need to be like okay I I don't know if I can handle what the solution is going to bring me um but I think for me pretending I don't have the solution is a is a self-betrayal that I'm not um I really don't want to keep doing I really don't like that uh, you can get hurt in this life and around people and in and in love and in friendships and in collaborations any type of way like don't do don't be the one to to betray yourself I don't think that makes you a trustworthy person for other people I don't think that I don't think that makes you a part of the solution um I don't think it strengthens your ego I don't think it makes you a healthier version of yourself so um, no matter how many people clap for you for self-sacrificing, no matter how many people um, feel more comfortable if you were to, like, settle, I don't think that's going to make you a better person. That might give you the excuse you need to be a worse person if that's what you really want. But again, check your priorities. Um, I just don't think I have a good time when I'm not a good person. I think I should, like, embrace that my natural tendency is, like, yeah, I like to win, and not even on some, like, I like to win and I like other people to lose. No, like, when I win, once I win, I just, like, there, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I am a good person when I win. Um, the fear of, like, what I see other people doing when they win, like, I don't have to put that on myself because that's not true. Um, <laughs> rarely do I have a good day and come home and want to make other people's day bad, like, <laughs> Or, or like you know what I'm saying like rarely am I in a place where oh yeah I feel bad so I'm gonna make other people stay bad it's really not even that it's just like repeatedly I've even heard like this week like other people feel happy when I'm happy like other people enjoy me being happy um and maybe it's like even a little bit codependent to even desire to hear that but I got to hear it um and like I can give myself more permission now to be like oh yeah like anyone that says like oh you being happy makes me feel bad is like choosing that because enough people that have no incentive to like you know what I'm saying like to lie <laughs> um about that have told me like that's the tr that's their truth and so um I can't even use those people that don't like me being happy as an excuse anymore to not be happy, to not be 
um, the version of me that's the nicest. I think we owe that to ourselves and others. Um, but again, that's just what I think. But that's why we're here, aren't we? On my little podcast. Okay. I, oof. I need to, I need to, I gotta do stuff. Bye.